Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast. This is episode 27, an interview with Nicole Terway. My name is Jesse Ellertson and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to stop feeling mentally miserable in the process. You know what to do and you're doing it, all while holding down the fort at home but you are weary from living in survival mode and battling with your brain. If you are ready to thrive, then you are in the right place. Okay, everyone, I have a treat for you today. I am a part of this awesome community of life coaches now that I'm a certified coach through the Life Coach School. And I was able to reach out to my community and see if I had anyone who was either in the military or just had experience with the military or were a military spouse or maybe had a child in the military and then they're also life coaches and see if they would be willing to be on my podcast. So I actually set up quite a few interviews and I'm working through them right now and I'll be publishing them here maybe about once a month over the next several months as I get them done and and spread them out a little bit. And so I have my first interview today and I'm really excited for you guys. So these upcoming interviews are women who are certified through the life coach school so they are life coaches and they have a variety of niches or clients that are their specialty and we just talk about their experiences in the military and what they learned and and then concepts regarding their specialty and what they're doing as a life coach right now so without further ado this is my interview with nicole tearaway okay well let's just get into it. i'm already recording if that's okay with you Okay. And um, what I would like to do today is just find out more about you, about your experiences in the military, and then about how all of that has come together with your life coaching experiences. And I'd love to talk about your niche. I love your niche, undoing urges for permanent weight loss. So we'll get into all that near the end. Does that sound okay? Yes, absolutely. So Nicole, tell me a little bit about yourself, about your military life and, and just you in general. Well, I was in the Navy. I got out in 2017, like the same month as my husband, actually, he was in the submarine community and I was in intelligence and we were both in the Navy. And, uh, we were in the reserves for, he was for a little while. I stayed for a couple years and then just left to fully focus on my business. And I got out because I wanted to start my own business. Um, but the Navy was an awesome, like, I'm never going to forget it. I'm really glad I served and I just learned so much from it that actually made me want to like pursue something different. Not that it was better or anything, but business is just completely different. But I wouldn't have had the courage, I think, to go out on my own if I hadn't learned what I did through the military. So I'm really grateful. That's awesome. So it kind of led you to some of these entrepreneurial places and especially in a life coaching career, you're you're, you know, still doing that kind of serving the people around you thing like you do in the military. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I, my, I grew up in a kind of military like fashion or lifestyle, if you will. My mother worked for the foreign service for the state department. Okay. So we are moving every three years anyway, but she was basically like being in the military. She just didn't wear a uniform. We were, she would get stationed at American embassies and overseas tours. So I grew up all over Latin America and like Bolivia and stuff. And um, so I was used to the lifestyle kind of, I was used to moving every few years. So the Navy just made sense to me. Um, And I was, yeah. And I was grateful to, like have that as a job when I got out of high school. 
so but after getting married and having like such a such an awesome time being married honestly like my husband and I were together we dated for many years and then we finally were co-located in Hawaii oh wow the best time just being married and like visiting the islands and just it was so wonderful and it was time to start making those decisions like where are we gonna go what are our chances of getting there what are our chances of getting there together co-located again like those chances start getting slimmer and slimmer and so we decide well we can get out and so we did that and also i was like you know it's a, i've done this lifestyle my entire life I was like, I can try something new. And we did. That's so awesome. So how many years were you in? You, you got out in 2017 or that's, yeah. So then when did you join? Um, out of high school. So I graduated in 2004 and I actually, I got accepted into the Naval Academy prep school. I had to go there for a year before going into the Naval Academy, did the four years at the Academy and then um, graduated in 2009 and went to Virginia Beach for Intel training. Oh, awesome. Okay. And then what, tell me a little bit about your experience. I mean, um, what is it called when you're both in? Is it dual? Yeah. Dual mill. Dual mill. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tell me, we've talked a little bit about your experience in the military. What is it like as a, as the wife of a, you know, you're, you're, you're both, yeah. but you're one and you're the other, you know? Yeah. I, uh, first, well, first I was a girlfriend and then engaged yeah, that's course, and then married and it doesn't really, for me, it didn't change much because I was, so I was in the military and then my husband, he, like, so we were apart the whole time we were together until our last tour. So that was what we did, like three tours, two or three tours each. And so our last apart. one was when we were together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we, it's so crazy, but like we got married and a week later he went underway for like three months and then he came home for a month and then left for Hawaii. And I was like, oh, well, this is normal. <laughs> As newlyweds, this is normal. Yeah, in the military, <laughs> like, we actually, we didn't expect really anything different. We're like, oh, well, really can't, I don't, this is not that bad, I guess. But um, no. being a spouse, I don't know if it's any, it really isn't any different being married to a submariner because it's still, when your husband deploys, when your significant other deploys, like, it's still scary and there's so much that goes into that because you know a submarine like to me like someone put it this way it's just this is how scary it can be it's a boat that sinks on purpose (laughs) right that's so so true and he tells me these stories it's like oh there was this crack on the hull of the of the boat and you could feel the air coming in this is before like they were going underway and I was like that's kind of isn't that a problem it's like no the pressure will like kind of conceal or kind of like you know um block it or yeah. yeah. And I was like, I still don't, I think a crack of any kind, like you're about to like, <laughs> you can't get out. Like this doesn't make sense to me, but it was fine. Like they all came back. Of course. It was uh, fine. No in problem. my mind, I was like, I'm never going to see him again. Like something bad's going to happen. I was like, that's not supposed, that's not normal. But yeah. So, um, but yeah, being a spouse, um, is just, I, I, lo- I would talk to the other spouses cause it was the same kind of like, you have to adjust to, you know, not having that, that other source of like companionship and joy and like love and entertainment, like that, that part of you is kind of on hold. So it's like, you have the space now to kind of figure out what to do. And what I saw myself doing and a lot of other spouses doing was we would kind of get resentful 
and it, or we would get or some would just completely have a like fun time and like they would go and do things for themselves go on like trips and stuff but for me I would I would spend a little while just kind of staying lonely and like kind of feeling sorry for myself on the weekends because we would only see each other on the weekends when we were both when neither of us was on duty sometimes um and we would drive to see the other but this is before Hawaii um when he was on his uh sea tour and was deploying a lot but uh it was tough and I didn't understand until now until after I found life coaching that the tough I was making things tougher on myself unnecessarily and yeah. uh <laughs> yeah I'll talk to my clients about that where it's like it's just already like normal hard that they're gone and then we like add to the hard by thinking these thoughts that create resentment and that create you know yeah. and we're making things mean things they don't mean so it's like it's already normal hard and we're like doubling the hard with that unnecessary suffering yeah. um I wanted to ask you I like how you talked about, you know, you got married and then immediately spent, you know, all this time apart and you both, mm -hmm. you, I'm, I'm assuming your husband was also just like, yeah, this is what we expected. Like this, mm -hmm. this is, this was how we always knew it would be. Even though we're married, we're not going to suddenly have all this time together because we're both in the military. Um, so how did you find that like just having that expectation was really just having appropriate expectations was really crucial and like keeping that a really manageable experience? Yeah, it's interesting. Like I managed my brain really well around that and then other things really poorly. <laughs> Sounds like you're right on track. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that yeah. um cuz you know they tell you be flexible and what they're really telling you is expect the worst. And then if you expect the worst, then it's just not that bad. Yeah. And sometimes it even goes kind of well, right? Well, and I yeah. I just think of some some of the um, you know, military spouses they kind of come in not knowing much about the military. And so I think it was pretty fortunate for you to have had the experiences that you had even before you were married so that when you did get married, it didn't shock or surprise you that, oh, you know, this is how it is. We're still going to spend this time apart. We're still going to, you know, you were, you had a lot of good expectations there. And so that's, I wonder if that's something that these military spouses can try to get just more knowledge, more experience and more, more of appropriate expectations as they head into things. And that will kind of alleviate some of that, you know, resentment or just, it, again, not all of it, because even when we know exactly what we're getting ourselves into, it's still the, man of, the matter of living it every day, right? Well, and I think that's where I, I noticed, like, I think I beat myself up because I was a spouse who was also in the military and yeah. I, I placed an expectation on myself that I should somehow in some way, not comfort, but be a source of information or guidance for the spouses who weren't in the military themselves. But, and that's honestly, like I should have followed through on that, um, that thought really that I should help out more because if I had, my example would have helped the spouses that were, whose husbands were also deployed. And then if they had some, uh, kind of guidance and they were like, okay, I understand this is how it is. And they would have help the younger wives as well. So kind of, I think it could have trickled down like that. I know that's an expectation, you know, like a self expectation. Um, but it's, I think that's kind of incumbent on us to help out the younger wives. Yeah. Well, so whether you're dual military or just a more seasoned spouse, yeah. you yeah. can really take advantage of those opportunities to help these, these women and men who just have to, they have to start brand new at the experience, right? They, at some point you just have to be brand new at it, but they can, they can really glean that information. And they say, you know, like knowledge is power. And so if we have more peace of mind where we're at in our experience level, we can pass on some of that peace of mind through our knowledge and experience to these, these younger, less experienced uh, spouses. 
Yeah. And honestly, like, I wish you were around when I was younger or when my husband had been deployed and been teaching all of this stuff because like, it is so like, it is more valuable than like looking back on it now. I'm like, oh my God, I think my entire life would have been completely different if I just managed my mind and expectations much better than I had instead of feeling, because I was feeling kind of entitled to feeling sorry for myself. I was feeling resentful for my husband leaving me, you know, and they tell you that like the the Navy and I'm sure the rest of the, uh, the other branches tell you, okay, like your, your person is going to deploy. You may be angry at them for leaving. That's just really coming from an, like not managing your thoughts and your emotions, knowing that you are in complete control of that, that you can do that. And you don't have to like be fighting with your spouse the day they leave. That doesn't have to be the way that goes, right? It's completely a scenario that doesn't have to go down that way. Yeah. And when you kind of are channeling, you're not really mad at them, but you're channeling what you're feeling about experiences you're having like at them and then that's even a little more confusing at times when you don't really know how to interpret what's going on in your brain because you're like Mm -hmm. I'm not really mad at them then you kind of feel guilty for being mad at them but you are feeling a lot of things right you're feeling a lot of a lot of negative emotions usually in that moment but I I have found that through uh coaching getting coached and coaching myself so we've we've I kind of compare we've had two like full year-long deployments and I did one completely, you know, not knowing any of this stuff, not doing any coaching and not really being intentional about my mental health. And then the one that we just did last year um, with all of this coaching available to me and these tools and concepts. And I feel like it was just night and day world of difference. And just to take back the parts that I could control, because even, even if we're, we're tough and we're ready and we're up for it all, we don't feel like it's in our control. We feel like you know, the, the, well, I always just say the army, we're in the army. So I'm like, you know, the army owns my husband, the army decides the army, you know, and I just would kind of let that be of just like, it's not up to me, but just, even though I can't decide when he deploys or, you know, when he'll get back, there's so much that is in my control. And when I just, this is just one piece of it. But when I choose to focus on that, that just gave me so much more to work with during this last deployment, rather than just like throwing my hands up. Well, you know, the army decides, and then I just kind of give those reins over to how I want to feel while he's gone and how I want to, you know, parent my children and connect with him and, you know, all of these parts. So it really, it really has been a game changer for me. And I'm so glad to have found it. (laughs) Oh my God. I seriously, like, I'm so glad that like, yeah, that life coaching exists, but now there's someone specific for military spouses. Mm -hmm. Cause I just, you know, you just hear some, the stories you hear are so heartbreaking and to have some, you know, guidance, anything to like feel at least a little better. Yeah. It goes so far. Well, and I would say that some spouses really don't struggle that much. And then some really do. And the ones that do often look at the ones that don't and think like, I, you know, this shouldn't be so hard. Like, look, they've got it, you know. And even if the ones who don't appear to be struggling, they might actually be struggling just kind of yeah. secretly. Anyway, I think that there's a little bit of this like everyone else has it figured out. So I just need to like I need to just like step up and figure this out, but we don't really know what action to take to do that and we just think we should have it all figured out and we, are, we can be really hard on ourselves that way so that's another reason why I really like talking about this like in my podcast and with my clients because I'm showing them that like even the most seasoned military spouses or you know whatever like that they they we still struggle they still struggle they don't appear to struggle to you but they do we all do this is hard at different points for different reasons and it's mm-hmm. all manageable within our minds 
you know, it's like some wives when I, when my husband would deploy some wives, we would get together one weekend and one wife would be completely like complaining about her children, complaining about her son or her husband always being gone and complaining about money here and money there. And then the next time we'd get together, that same wife would be in a completely different space. She'd be um, really happy. She heard from her husband and like, uh, or, you know, her kid got, did something well in school and the husband's still deployed. Yeah. Right, nothing really changed. It's just the different ways she was um, looking at things. And it just, uh, and we were all like that, but we are, we, it's so easy to fall back on blaming the military for changing something for us and how we're feeling and how it's affecting us without taking ownership over. No, nothing's, nothing's going to change outside of you. Like you don't have yeah. to feel or live this way. It's completely up to you. And I think it's easy to in no matter how long you've been in the military to blame the military for a lot if you're not managing your mind because you're sharing that experience with so everyone else in the military right it's like a justified way of living and complaining or talking about things you know it's like oh we can't do this because you know so and so is deployed or we can't, we're we're moving so we can't do this and so we're always going to be you know so it's like so it's easy to be angry and it's easy to be upset but knowing that that doesn't have to be the way is hard to see because you know, so many people think the same way, but your life in the military, your time would have been so much more enjoyable if you did take ownership over the thoughts you were having. I like what you said about, you know, the wife you gave an example of, of, you know, one time you get together, she's in the pits and one time she's feeling a lot better. And I think when we don't manage our mind, we really ride that roller coaster of those oh. outward influences. Like, you know, for example, just the frequency you're able to talk to your spouse when they're away, right? Like when it's been a week since you've heard from them or, you know, even a couple of days sometimes can be really hard and you feel, you know, you're feeling low and then they call and so then you're feeling high, you know, it's just that roller coaster. And if you're not managing your mind, if you're letting your mind just kind of run that show, it's so such higher highs and lower lows. And instead of just kind of dictating it and steering it and getting just a more even experience and also being the one who's kind of guiding that experience. And I think there's so much power also in like, along with that of really identifying what's in your circumstance line. Like I, like we talk mm. about in the model of like, I love pointing out to my clients that like, if the fact that they're deployed is the reason I'm feeling discouraged or resentful, then I can't feel better till they get home. Right? Like if the C has to change or if, if the C is why, if the circumstance line is why I'm feeling this way, then as long as they're deployed, which can be, you know, up to a year or more, I'll, mm. I'll have to keep feeling this way. But if it's my thoughts that are creating this, my C can stay the same. My circumstance line can stay the same. And I can just start to tweak my thoughts in order to feel a little bit more how I want to feel. We're not saying we have to jump straight from like resentful to joyful, mm -hmm. but to just take it in that direction of the way you want to feel when they're deployed. Because it's often for a long time that you, you don't want to have to feel that way that whole time that they're gone. Yeah. And then I just realized like, it's hard. Cause then you can, your brain, especially when like someone you love is gone, like your brain will go to the worst case scenario, like, okay, well they're gone, but then what if they get hurt out there or then yeah. what if they get killed and I don't hear back? It's like, I, that was me a lot actually yeah. when my husband, I didn't hear from him once for six weeks. And I was like, I know they say no news is good news, but six weeks in a submarine that's underwater, like that seems like an awfully long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, your brain, and you get scared, right? You just like, I, I don't know what to do. And your brain just goes all over the place. And it's very akin to, um, you know, the way you were describing how, you know, you have the highs and lows. It's the same way with like weight loss, really. Like you can, 
eat a ton of food and then starve yourself and then eat a ton of food and then starve yourself or then eat a ton of food and then overexercise and then yes overexercise it's like that makes weight loss so miserable right it makes the whole deployment so miserable and it's like it really doesn't have to be if you find the source of what's causing your pain or your angst which is really just the way you're thinking like what is on your mind yes you can question it and understand it and always from a place of compassion right because nothing's hurting you really except your own thoughts that you're having and when that's something that you know you can control then a deployment can be doesn't have to be the best experience of your life like a six-month wedding or something but yes (laughs) it can at least be uh, much less painful and even fun exactly yeah I mean you hear a lot like oh you know being in the military is really hard on marriages it's really hard on families and it it can be but it's also available to be a very strengthening time a very connecting Mm. time you know we know that when any challenge comes up we we choose what to make of it right and it doesn't mean it's not going to be hard but just that all options are available to us as far as the effect that it will have on us personally, on our relationships, you know, on our children. Mm-hmm. And that's, that can be just a really powerful place to come from instead of just like, Oh, watch out. You know, the military is hard on marriages. You know, that's just not a place that I like to operate from. I know. So I would think that, and then I would feel guilty because I was like, well, the military is really not that different. Like, you know, it's just a deployment. It's just separation. Like he's underwater. Like, no, like he's not going to like, we have the best submarines in the world. Like no one's going to find him. (laughs) And I was like, he really is protected. And, you know, but I still would feel guilty because I would compare, you know, like you were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier, like I would compare myself to, um, you know, the CEO's wife, or I would compare myself to the chief's wife. Like she Mm -hmm. always had it together. I was like, of course she never struggled. (laughs) Like they're just, amazing women I'm like I'm an officer and here I am like eating my face off after work completely feeling sorry for myself I saw my hair like my hair wasn't in a bun anymore but I saw my uniform on at least I took my boots off I was like you're eating popcorn I'm not even hungry I'm just feeling sorry for but that was just that's how I dealt with it I used food a lot um so but that wasn't necessary. Well, so let's talk about that for a minute because that'll lead us really nicely into your niche. Of You had mentioned that you would deal with like the stress of it all by eating and, and, and use that as a buffer. That's a word we use in life coaching about things that we want to use to kind of block that, that negative emotion is buffer against it. And so just, you know, maybe tell me a little bit about just how that experience was for you. Well, it got so interesting that like, I wish, I really wish I talked to you like 10 years ago. Oh my God. <laughs> so my weight story in the, in the military was I lost a ton of weight when I went through um, the Naval Academy prep school. Like you kind of go through a little boot camp, and I lost a ton of weight. And I was like, this is great. And then, but I was young. I didn't like know how to manage my food. So I gained some weight back and then lost it again when I got to the academy. But I gained like the freshman 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's kind of, you know, in the military, you're forced to work out and stuff. And um, so I didn't gain as much as I probably could have. But once I got out, I gained even more. Once I got out of the Naval Academy and started, I'm like in the fleet, right? As an ensign or an O1, like I started getting even more weight. And um, then I started trying all these fad diets. So when my husband, or when I got engaged, I was like, okay, so I feel like I've tried everything legal to lose weight because <laughs> you do your analysis all the time. So it's like, let me try good old fashioned diet and exercise. And I did. 
And in a year, I actually got too small for my wedding dress. Oh, um, yeah. And I was like, well, this doesn't happen. I was like, there's, there's something to this diet and exercise. Like just, you know, I was like eating clean and um, working mm-hmm. out. And um, so. And I'm guessing you weren't using eating as a buffer during this time or were you still? Well, I wasn't so food obsessed. That wasn't mm-hmm. until later when I started gaining after the wedding, I started gaining weight back and we were moving to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's in swimsuits. I was like, I would just, I just want to be a hot wife. Like I just, you know, I want to, and really Is that too much to, to ask. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I want to go on these hikes with my husband and not be out of breath after 10 feet. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> enjoy like all these things. So, um, I signed up for a bodybuilding show and that was honestly one of the best experiences of my life because I've never felt more fit because I actually, mm-hmm. pers- it doesn't really matter that it was a show. Like it was a goal that I reached. That was the real amazing. Like I couldn't believe I did something like that. Yeah. Um, but because I didn't understand urges and I didn't understand um, nutrition that well or uh, physiological responses to what you eat, how much you eat, when you eat, um, I binged and I gained like 20 pounds in a month. And I was like, I obviously need to go on another show to lose this weight. So I was using shows. I did seven more to, to manage your weight. Lose. Yeah. yeah. And it was literally destroying me because I was overtraining. I was doing so much cardio. I was eating like sometimes 900 calories and I was mm. like somehow functioning at work still, but I was so like my mind was just so focused and I was not paying attention to my body. And even when I got down to like 119 pounds, I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm enormous on stage. Like, of course I'm not winning. Like, so it, nothing Mm -hmm. was making sense. Right. Yeah. And speaking of roller coasters, like that's such a roller coaster you were on of like, you know, that weight loss. Yeah. And that's another thing. I wish I had life coaching earlier because I ruined, I didn't ruin, but Hawaii would have been such a much more, incredible adventure for me if I hadn't been so food focused and mm-hmm. weight, weight loss focused. Like mm-hmm. we still had fun, but wherever we went, I was still wondering, okay, am I, my urge is going to be too strong now. Like we're going to try new food. How am I going to handle myself around that? Like it's a new restaurant. Oh, it's new people. Oh, I had one extra chip. Well, screw it all. I'm going to eat the rest of these. Right. So yeah. it was just, I wish I had not had that drama in my head about weight and food um, in Hawaii, but I learned from that. You know, I found yeah. life coaching. I became a life coach. I got coached to, cause my binging was so bad. I once ate like four jars of almond butter in one week. And that mm. was when I was like, I need help. <laughs> so, and I knew life coaching was going to do it. Like it wasn't going to be another diet plan. It wasn't going to be another weight loss or weightlifting plan or any more freaking cardio. I was like, no, this, this is a mental, emotional thing. I don't think there's something broken or wrong in me. I really, I know I can solve this. I just don't know how or so. I found a life coach. She helped me. She's like my guardian angel. Um, and then I became a life coach. And now I focus on, can there be a way to keep the shape of your body and be happy and not stressed? Cause I didn't know how, like, cause I would follow and read so many um, bodybuilders and fitness gurus and experts. And no one really talked about the hardest part of weight loss. And I understood and everyone understands that it's urges around food that are really the hardest part. Like you can, you can try all the diets in the world, but if you don't know how to handle your urges then you're just not going to keep the weight off and then you're just starting another diet. And I was like, that sounds exhausting for the rest of my life to keep dieting. I was like, I just want to solve this (laughs) once and for all. So, so you you wanted to like, 
how your body looked and you wanted to like being inside your mind because you'd kind of like gotten to the place where you liked how your body looked and then gotten to the place where you liked what was going on in your mind, but you like couldn't get those onto the same <laughs> at yes. the same moment. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. And tell me a little bit more about why are urges like a mental game? Like what is happening in an urge that it's all happening in your mind? So an urge comes on and we're talking about food and anyone who wants to lose weight. Cause if you're not trying to lose weight and an urge comes up, you're really not going to care. You're just going to eat because your goal is not to lose weight. Right. Or and, to even to maintain a healthy weight. Yeah. Yeah. And I specifically go for food um, because food you need to survive and food's always going to be in your life. Whereas like urges around alcohol or you don't need alcohol to survive. Yeah. So that's an easy, um, that's a, that's an easy, not easy, but that's a very good compelling reason to give up alcohol, but food you do need to survive. So how do you like, kind of, like you said, like kind of marry those two, like you like how your body looks and you like how your mind's working. Can those two coexist or, or yeah. can they not? For me, like I notice when I gain fat, my lower back starts to hurt. And I notice mm. when I lose fat, that pain dissipates. So I'm like, you know, all these reasons come up. So I was like, why not set a goal for being lean and not struggling to stay there? Yeah. So um, and it's really hard with food and urges come up because you're making a change, right? So yeah. whenever a change is happening, an urge will come up. All an urge means is it's an intense desire for something. It's usually for a reward. And with food, usually we think the reward is food, but it's really the anticipation of the food, the getting of the food that is so compelling, that is so rewarding that we're actually already getting that reward before we actually get the food. But it's so hard to see because it's so automatic and so fast in our yes. brains, when, especially when you're hungry, right? So it's so important to distinguish between physical hunger and urges. But if we're sticking with urges, like you have an urge or an intense desire, right? It's like, it's like anxiety is the intense form of worry. Yeah, so you can be worried, but then when anxiety is in there, it's like it's in completely like uh, encompasses your your vision. But when an urge is present, it usually means that you have usually you're trying to make a change. So it's so easy. Urges are always present when you're trying to lose weight. When you're changing a habit, like you're gonna eat a salad instead of maybe a sandwich for lunch that you're used to having, an urge is gonna come up. Mm -hmm. And you think the food is what's causing the urge when it's not. The urge is just coming from what you're thinking about the food in front of you or thinking about how you used to eat or what you used to eat at lunch. And those thoughts could be anything from like, oh, I don't want the salad right now because I used to eat this, which is what I really want. Or, you know, I want, you know, this is so boring or this isn't tasty or this, like all these other reasons. And those reasons seem so believable because it's just like in the military, like with weight loss, there's this collective thinking that weight loss is hard, that urges yeah. are hard, that hunger is painful or difficult. And when, when a reason feels justified, like, oh, I don't want to eat this. It doesn't taste good. No one else is eating this. Why do I have to eat this? And then you get an urge for um, something else. It seems almost like justified to give into the yeah. urge and then you kind of perpetuate that habit right because a habit is a desire and then a reward and every time you reward that desire you reinforce the habit and we don't realize yeah. that anytime we overeat we are reinforcing a habit exactly understand that the way to break that down or really undo a habit is to find the thought you're having and question it and always with compassion and yeah. just like you were saying earlier like making things less painful, like not going straight to joy, but at least making things less painful is already more joyful than it yeah. was. 
Yep, so that can increase. make weight loss. Yeah. And that makes weight loss a lot more of an enjoyable experience. One thing that I love that, to understand about urges that's been really helpful for me is that when an urge is present and it, it's kind of demanding to be resolved mm-hmm. or to be satisfied, um, we often think, oh, I, I, do, I do the thing, like I eat the thing or whatever the urge is for in order to satisfy this urge. But what we don't have practice in doing, what we don't have a lot of evidence for is letting the urge resolve on its own and it will. But in the moment, we kind of don't believe that it will because we have a lot of practice really more of answering the urges. Mm -hmm. And so to give yourself that experience and that built up practice and that built up evidence of um, this urge won't last forever. You know, I know how to watch an urge. I know that one way I can satisfy this urge is by doing the thing, but another way is by acknowledging it, naming it, getting familiar with it, you know, Mm -hmm getting practice at allowing it to just come and then pass. And, and the more we let it pass, then that's when we're like, oh, remember I had an urge yesterday and it passed. I didn't satisfy it and it passed, you know, to just really show our brain that that is possible because we do have a lot, often we have a lot more experience of just answering the urges. Another thought or something I wanted to, to offer was my brain loves to, when I'm eating on like an eating plan on a protocol it will want me to eat something off protocol, which is an urge. Basically, I have an urge to eat something that I didn't plan to eat. And it loves to offer me the thought of, this probably isn't even working. Like, like it just wants to talk you out of your resolve so that you'll answer the urge. And so it has these sneaky little ways. And my, my one sentence that my, my lower brain loves to offer me is like, this probably isn't even working. Like eating on a protocol probably isn't even working for like the goals you have for yourself. And so then I just answer my lower brain and I just say like, you know, I see why you're saying that. I see why you're uh, like, I have this urge to eat this thing, but my protocol is definitely working. Like my goals are working. My plan is working. And I just am like answering my lower brain when it offers me some of those sneaky outs. And that's been really helpful for me. That's awesome because um, you obviously have a lot of uh, like compassion. So that provides patience, like that yeah. inaction of patience and giving yourself space to question like, God, takes, yeah, goes, it doesn't takes, have to be so harsh. Far. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. to be like a harsh response. But it's interesting because sometimes it's confusing. And it was for me, especially at the very beginning when I was working on undoing my, um, on ending my binging, because like an urge would come and I would just like be in it. I didn't know yeah. how to get myself out of it. But when an, usually an urge isn't the first thing that comes up when you're like, it's there. the reason it's there isn't because of the food, like I mentioned, but it's usually, yeah. it's a thought about the food. So, but like you, the thought you provided was this isn't working or this probably isn't going to work. Right. So a thought like that actually makes you feel pretty, pretty bad, yeah. right? Probably pretty, um, a lot of uh, my clients tell me they feel ashamed or they feel really disappointed, right? Yeah. And that disappointment, for example, can feel so heavy and weigh so heavily on them that your brain is looking for a way to protect you from that because it thinks that's going to cause you even more pain. So it brings yeah. up an urge to look for something that feels certain that will help you feel better. So your brain's just looking for certainty, whether that yes. certainty is to avoid pain or seek pleasure. Right now it believes that you're in pain because the disappointment is so heavy, is so awful in your body from that thought, this isn't probably going to work anyway, right? Yeah. Or that self-doubt. So your brain is going to urge you to get away from that. That's what yes. the urge is. That's an intense desire to get to something that is going to make you feel better. We've just taught ourselves for so many years, many of us, that food makes us feel better. When yes. really it's not, it's the anticipation of getting out of the pain of finding some way to feel better 
that is what the urge is there for. Mm -hmm. And the reward doesn't have to be food. And this is how you can undo urges and get yourself out of the overeating habit is you reward yourself with something that doesn't have, like Brooke said, like a net negative consequence. Like whereas Mm -hmm. food has, like there is gratification when you eat it, but the net over time is like you gain weight. Yeah. If you're overeating. Yeah. Yeah. But if you reward yourself with something that doesn't have a negative consequence, like going outside and playing with your dog, which is what I did a lot because my dog, I love him to death. I feel like he saved me in those moments. I would just, so my brain would find, would start enjoying and looking forward to playing with him instead of looking forward to finding food in my pantry or the almond butter, right? Yes. So that's how you make that transition, understanding that the urge is there. It's an intense desire to help you feel better. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Well, and even to enjoy eating the food you've planned to eat. Because like yeah. you said, we can't ever stop eating. Like like our teacher, Brooke Castillo, she has stopped drinking. That's one of her mm-hmm. really cool accomplishments she's done. And you can cut alcohol out and never look back. But like we have to learn how to have that healthy relationship with food because it will always be there. And so like when you have an urge to eat off your plan, I, I'll say to my my lower brain as it's trying to get me <laughs> to do stuff like that with the urges. And I'll just say like, no, it's okay. I've planned to eat this in you know an hour and a half and then when I get to that and I eat it and I just really focus on really enjoying that meal that I plan to eat and at the time I plan to eat it and the amount I plan to eat and I really enjoy like afterward when I haven't overeaten I haven't eaten past you know I just want to be really comfortable and, and really satisfied but not any further than that I make sure to point out how much I enjoy how that feels to myself yeah. So like, oh, this feels so good to have not overeaten because there is like a lot of pleasure to be had rather than just that instant and, 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 and kind of like the net negative pleasure, you know, that we, we get from, you know, those different things you were mentioning. And another thing that I love that um, I heard Brooke say once about quitting drinking alcohol is she said she never lies to herself and says like, oh, I, I didn't even enjoy drinking alcohol. Like it's evil. Like she never tells those lies to herself. She was like, drinking alcohol was really fun. I enjoy drinking alcohol, but I enjoy this more. So it's like, I do that with food too, where, you know, my body will have an urge or my brain will have an urge for, you know, some of that Christmas candy that was sitting on the counter. And I'll be like, I love chocolate and peanut butter. I can really see why I'm having a strong urge to eat that. That's delicious. But I like eating on my plan even more than I like eating, you know? So I think there's just a lot of that, like love you can give yourself while you process those urges. And this, those softer places to land instead of needing to treat it with, you know, harshness. Like I think we do sometimes because that harshness and that shame often lead us to more indulgent behaviors, you know, like, like, like you had referenced. Well, you hit the nail on the head because when you're coming from that place of compassion and love and like kind of, and patience, right. It's like, that doesn't feel bad. So your, your brain doesn't think you need to feel better. Yes. Right. Your brain is like, okay, we're okay here. Whereas if you're like reprimanding yourself like oh I shouldn't want that and there's still a problem guilty your brain's like you're gonna die you're like that doesn't that's we don't need to be feeling that like this is going to hurt you somehow here's an urge to get away Mm -hmm. and now and we all and so like and if you always go to food to reward that urge you know that's just a habit and the more you reinforce a habit the harder it can be to break but it is easier to undo when you are coming from a place of love and compassion, like you said. So that's exactly, because you can even tell just the way you were speaking, like, oh, I love peanut butter and chocolate. Like, I'm not going to lie to myself. That stuff's delicious. (laughs) Yeah, but like even saying it was a lot 
like just saying it out loud was like a lot more um there was a lot more space and like the words you said it was a lot slower and it was um there was less even as a listener like there was less um tension there around the food because it wasn't about the food right it's just yeah. like oh i can it's it, you realize like you have that your 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 ability to choose was in that space and you gave yourself that by not lying to yourself yeah and i think we kind of disappointment or guilt or doubt to come in right? yeah i think we can run away be afraid of being understanding of our urges like understanding that we have urges or understanding mm -hmm. you know this this half of us that's offering us unproductive you know um, options and solutions and indulgent you know indulgent behaviors but to be understanding of that part of you and say like I get why you want to buffer away from this pain with food, but like we know how to, I know how to, I say we, I act like I have like multiple personalities in my head, but it's just how I have this conversation with myself. Like I know how to feel negative emotions. So I don't, I don't, I get why you want to buffer away from this pain, but like, I don't need to, cause I'm willing to feel this. I know how to feel this. And that's mm -hmm. such a, such a powerful place to come from. And it's not a place I knew how to come from before I learned all these tools and learned how to listen to my brain and have, you know, respond to it and have, have a conversation with it. You know, sometimes I sound a little crazy, but works for me. <laughs> no. And I was just thinking like I, when I was uh, thinking back to like when my husband was deployed and all the wives were, you know, like one weekend was coming up and the CEO's wife was like, let's all get together. And yeah. I would look at the email and I would make the decision to go or not go. And it was always from an urge. Like if I made the, the decision to not go is because I gave into the urge to not feel uncomfortable at these get togethers or these gatherings. Right. Yeah. It really was. Um, and then the more, relief I felt from that decision the more I believed that not going was good for me when it really I was just keeping myself lonely like I was just staying yeah. at home <laughs> yeah when I could have been with them and probably having a great time yeah that's so true that's a good point okay well let's um I will wrap it up but I want to hear I want you to tell me a little bit about who you work with and how they can get a hold of you like who are your clients yes I focus and and on anyone who wants to lose weight and focus on their urges around food and undoing them because if urges aren't a problem then weight loss really is easy right and with weight loss it's usually the urges that really sabotage people that yes. really get in their way especially when it counts right and that's the last few pounds and the urges seem to be getting stronger and stronger like doesn't have to be and then when the, once the weight is lost knowing how to handle the urges from then on so that the weight doesn't come back. So really men or women who want to undo their urges around food for permanent and confident weight loss, that's who I focus on. That's so, um, so good. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, how will, how do people get a hold of you if they're interested in that? Best way is to go to my website, uh, nicoletearaway.com. And if anyone, I know it's like the new year, it's a new decade. I know a lot of people are starting on their own weight loss. So I actually created a five video series on exactly kind of what we talked about, like urges and then physical hunger and undoing habits. So that's also awesome. on my website. Cool. Okay. I'll link to your website in the show notes. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast today, Nicole. I really appreciate it. So great Thank to get you. that insight. Yes. And honestly, I'm so happy you exist. Like I, <laughs> I'm going to like find your pod, like your podcast is going to be blasted to all my military friends. Yes, please. Already, so thank awesome. You. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much, Nicole. All right. Talk bye. to you later. Bye.
Thank you so much for making time in your day to listen to this episode. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends. I also love when you subscribe, rate, and review it. If this podcast resonates with you and you are interested in learning more, please send an email to jesse at simplyresilient.net to schedule your free life coaching mini session and see if working with me would be a great fit for you. Remember that when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.